On this week's full-time roundup, Manchester is still blue. Marseille fans take matters into their own hands. Inter go top in Serie A and Bayern win a wild match. Full-time roundup starts right now. Welcome into this week's full-time roundup, the recap show. I'm Matt Gesslin, back in the host chair tonight. And of course, I'm joined as always by Daniel Brackett. Daniel, we had some historic fixtures this weekend, some interesting results, and a scene that is becoming, unfortunately, all too common this weekend. But first, how are you feeling on this Monday evening, Halloween Eve, no less? Are you still a costume person? And if so, what are you wearing this year? Um... Well, good to see you, Matt. Hope you had a good weekend. Um, I am not really a, a Halloween guy. Um, I, knew we, I, I knew we were going to get along for some reason. I yeah, knew. I just I'm not a really big uh, holiday guy, just in general. Honestly, I feel like people just blow those holidays way out of proportion. I've been called a Grinch before. Blah blah blah. Don't really care. Um, but I do have to dress up in the uh, for my job tomorrow, so I got to kind of figure that out um so tbd i will i may i might send a picture um on our twitter of what i decide to go with um tomorrow but yeah that is tbd how about you i'm not i'm i've also been known a grinch for my entire existence i feel like uh holidays are not i'm i'm with you to be completely full full honesty uh christmas are already ornaments and stuff going up is insane we're not even at halloween yet and thanksgiving's in between i do love the holidays but i don't like how they get blown out of proportion so See, i'm the uh, same way yeah, yeah like i i have like i enjoy seeing family and everything right. like don't let's get that out of the way but just how people treat holidays i just think it's kind of weird uh with this like obsessive couldn't, like couldn't Russian agree movie. more and and no costume for me um uh, those of you that know me well enough know that that will never happen. So um, they don't even bother at this point. But on the other side, it is starting to kind of look, you know, of course, holiday, fall, spooky season, uh, Halloween and all that stuff, everything that's going on. There is a part of town, not here, but in Manchester, that is looking like it's a little bit of spooky season. That's the red side. After the noisy neighbors, Daniel, come back in again and take out the Red Devils in 3-0 fashion in the Manchester Derby on Sunday. What were your takeaways from this one? Any thoughts that kind of glared at you? And, and uh, you know, Erling Holland gets two. Phil Foden gets the third. Uh, big guys that you expect to step up. But uh, Manchester United, just they, they had nothing. No answer for Man City. No, they did not. And, and we previewed this and we expected a, a pretty significant result for, for Manchester City. I even called this a new play. So hope hope whoever listened to that decided to take Manchester City. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it's about what I expected. Could have been worse, honestly, for United. I, I do have to, they started out pretty good. It was pretty cagey for the first half, at least. And and I don't even know if you can call this really a derby after the last five years or so, maybe more. Um, but, you know, the selections of uh, Evans over Varane, Lindelof over Regulon at left back uh, were just one of the few um, decisions Ten Hag made that were pretty questionable. And, you know, based off those decisions, I'm not really surprised of the result. It. it it's one of those things you mentioned whether it's a derby of course it's you know it's still pretty competitive year in year out it's one of those games like you even said with merseyside you kind of throw the the results or the the form out the window but in this instance manchester city just had too much too much firepower um and again there's just so much going on with with manchester united you kind of expected it man city i don't even think really got to all gears um in this one and still put three on the board so uh, it's hard, you know, it's, it's a tough time. You want to coming off another match that we'll get to later on. You were hoping and, and building for an amazing weekend of derbies and, and some of the biggest fixtures in the world going on at the same time. But this one just fell flat, you know, and it felt flat going into it. You kind of expected it to be one-sided like we talked about. And for me, it was almost like a throwaway game. I didn't even get a chance to really watch it because I was—I knew kind of what the result was going to be. So I took care of some things on Sunday that I was expecting to to take care of on Saturday. But um, you know, 
how how Johnny Evans gets to start over Varane, I don't quite understand. Um, you know, Lindelof over Region. You know, there's just some things in the back, and and that's kind of where the the problems lie for Manchester United. We talked about them earlier in the season, and then of course, you know, in the midfield, it's. Anthony going up against Doku and, and Anthony again looks really, really poor. That's another, you know, another performance that he just doesn't deliver on in a big fixture. And you pay 80 million pounds for him and he's supposed to be one of those, those players and he hasn't really delivered. Um, take aside all the stuff that hap is happening off the field for him and whether or not, you know, he should play there. I don't, I don't have enough of the details to understand the real dynamics there, but it's just a crazy yeah, crazy environment at Manchester United just never can kind of get settled. And, and you wonder again, if how much of that is on the manager, how much of that plays into the, into the team selection, how much of that, you know, gets back onto the field at the end of the day. So I don't really know what to make of Manchester United. We talked about how they continue to just kind of earn churn out results. And, and maybe you just kind of say, okay, you can see the three points to Manchester city here and, and go back on trying to beat up and, and, and steal points from everywhere else. I just don't know what to make of Manchester United right now. Uh, other one word for me, just disaster top to bottom. Um, you spoke of Anthony 80 million. He's been, he's been pretty bad. Um, and we're not even talking about Sancho who's, not banished from the first team. He was another $75 billion winger who, who's flopped. And we've seen a lot of those throughout the years since Alex Ferguson left. So uh, I mean, we've, we've hit on this a lot with United, just how much of a disaster they are as a club. And uh, the sooner the Glazers sell, uh, the better for, for Manchester United fans. So just hang in there, guys, and, and one, day, uh, one day you'll be okay. Yeah, still sit eighth on the table. So, you know, they're still kind of in the discussion for European football and um, only a couple points behind Brighton and Newcastle for, for six and, and things like that. So there's still a lot to play for. Of course, they're still in the cup, which will be uh, midweek this week against Newcastle. So a big game there for them. Uh, I don't think we need to harp too much on Manchester City. Uh, we've talked about them and and just kind of there'll be a storyline that we'll we'll see all year long. Uh, of course, though, a team that, that needed a, a good performance and came at a really good time against a team that they definitely took advantage of was Arsenal, uh, beating up on Sheffield 5-0. Of course, again, Sheffield have not scored a win on the season. And after a lackluster, lackluster performance against Chelsea and then um, a pretty good midweek fixture in the Champions League, but they could have used these these three points in the fashion they got it. Uh, Eddie and Ketia gets a hat trick as well. And uh, some rotation with uh, Emil Smith Rowe getting back into the lineup. So Arsenal take care of business. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Not many conclusions to draw off of. And other than that, Sheffield is probably going to be the worst team in the premier league. Um, unless, unless Everton get those points deducted, which we don't really know yet. I did in full transparency, take a wager probably a month and a half ago that Sheffield would be the bottom team to go down. So I'm really hoping that FFP doesn't kill Everton too badly here. But yeah, uh, I mean, Sheffield's keeper is atrocious. One of the worst goalkeepers I think I've ever seen in the Premier League. And the squad's awful. Um, you, can, you can prevent um, as many goals as possible from open play. But when you're conceding off two corners and you give up a penalty, like what do you... Uh, you're just being yourself at that point. So I don't even really care to go over this game too much. It was kind of just an easy win for Arsenal. Um, and you would think that Sheffield could have made it maybe a better, a little better of a game. Yeah. Again, and there's not much here. Like you mentioned, I think it's uh like I said, good timing for, for Arsenal to get a, a squad like Sheffield to get some confidence, get some rotation in and, and kind of get ready for that next leg of fixtures that they'll have coming up a pretty big run. Uh, and then again, Quickly before you know it, Champions League will be back. But uh, a team that, that Daniel, I know, has surprised us and a team worth talking about now, no doubt about it, is Tottenham Hotspur, who still sit atop the table, Premier League. They do get a scrappy win against Palace um, on the road, no less, which is always a tough. Selhurst is never an easy place to play. They played on Friday as well after a game on Monday, so a quick turnaround for them. Uh, but they get, you know, they get a big three points, and again, Spurs at this point in the season atop the table, you would not have thought to say it with, you know, Arsenal right behind them. It's a North London 
one, two, which makes me sick to my stomach, but uh, <laughs> that'll hopefully change over time. But uh, any, you know, again, we've talked about it a little bit, um, but I think we kind of need to do a little bit deeper dive into Spurs now that they've gotten 10 games in and, and really they just continue to keep chugging along. Yeah. Have you told uh, North London fans probably a decade to seven years ago that they'd be topping the the Premier League table fighting after one another um, in 2023, they probably would have thought you're crazy. So, hey, that's that's always cool, and that shows that teams can evolve. And you know, not every year is guaranteed. And for 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 other big teams, um, as we've seen some demises and talked about it. But yeah, no, Son continues to cook. James Madison continues to cook. Um, they they went up too, and and uh, Palace ended up getting a goal later, and and kind of made it a match at the end. It, it was pretty nervy. Um, but these were the type of matches where the old Tottenham would have conceded and and gave up a, uh, gave up two points and and they didn't. So I think Vicario, the the goalkeeper, has been excellent uh, this season so far. Replacing Lloris um, is is no easy job, and we've seen other goalkeepers in, in the Premier League fail to replace their um, compatriots. So good vibes for Tottenham. They keep winning. Ange Postacoglu is at this rate, probably going to get manager of the season, um, which he, he should. And, and not only do they play pretty football, but they've been pretty tight at the back too. So uh, hopefully fingers crossed for no injuries um, across that front line. Cause if son goes down or Madison goes down there in big trouble there, but they also are starting to get kind of healthy and getting subs to step up like uh, um, gosh, what's his name from forest. Oh, give me a second. Brandon Johnson came in and, and had an assist immediately, which which is good to see. Pedro Porro looks great. So not only a uh, new coach, but all these signings that they made in the summer have kind of hit the ground running. So that's good to see. Yeah. And one of the things that people mentioned, and I think, you know, we I want to just touch on it early on. I don't want to put too much emphasis on it because there's a long season to go. You know, they don't have European football, right? And I think yeah. one of the things that people were talking about is can this team, myself included, and I still you know, bread puddings, uh, breads in the pudding. It's not there yet, but um, can this team go all the way? Can they make that run? Can they sustain this, this form? And, and you look at a team and again, this is the rosters are night and day different, but the situation is kind of the same. You look at a team like Leicester, right? When they won the title, everyone said they can't keep going. They can't keep winning. They, you know, all they did was win, win in week out, uh, they had no European football as well. They went right from Saturday to Saturday or at that time, Saturday to Saturday. So, you know, that's something to keep an eye out for, especially now that they're out of the domestic cup. Uh, really, all they have to play for is is the Premier League. But like you said, uh, they have to stay healthy. And if they can stay healthy, I think, you know, they have a really tough run of fixtures coming up. Take away the Chelsea game, which is always a, a tough match as a as a derby. And then they go, you know, two Wolves, which we saw was not easy. Uh, nope. They have Aston Villa after that, Manchester City followed by West Ham and Newcastle. So the next six matches are going to really be a good, true test for for, for Ange Postacoglu and his, his squad. Um, but so far, so good, Daniel. And, and a team right behind them um, that's still fighting for that, you know, that top spot, only three points back, is Liverpool, who do get a, you know, well, you don't have to go into your game again. We'll, we'll have one more chance at them. But um, you guys get a nice, comfortable win this weekend. And again, in the catbird seat almost essentially in the title race. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm liking our chances a lot to, to challenge and, and go all the way in, in most competitions this year. This is the most depth we've had um in a in a very, very long time. And you know, you see some rotation. Um you also see the togetherness of the squad. Jota scores and holds up the Luis Diaz uh jersey as his uh father or his parents actually were both kidnapped. Both have been uh returned safely. Um, as of yesterday, um, from what I saw on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, no, it's good to see keeping a clean sheet. That's been a problem for us. So it's good to see that we kind of, we kind of righted the ship there and have some big matches coming up. So we do play Bournemouth midweek. Um, so that should be a fairly easy affair, but Hey, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Shoulder slide with two assists. These look so, so good. The midfield rebuild has looked great. And, uh, all five, six strikers are, are firing at the moment. So uh, that's a pretty scary feat for, for most teams that have to play us. You mentioned enjoying it at the moment. Another manager and team that's enjoying it at the moment is Aston Villa. They, Daniel, have really been playing some nice football, secured 
for the moment, they're they're placing fifth in the league. You know, uh, five points clear of Newcastle, who drew at, at Wolves, and Brighton, who drew at Fulham. Um, so that's you know, uh, Unai Emery is just taking what he does best, and and we saw it at you know Villarreal and, and other places. Of course, was at Arsenal in the past. Um, but this squad is for real. They're the real deal, and they currently sit fifth, like I said, with an outside shot at the top four. Although you would probably expect them a little bit too too little this year, but um, they're kind of that next tier and the the next team to look out for, right? No, couldn't couldn't agree more. Uh, they they very they're unbeaten at home, and and I think it's double digits. So you know, Amory's got the boys humming. Uh, they did play Luton, so let's let's not ever react here. But Newcastle dropping points to Wolves. Uh, was was a pretty big result for them, and they can kind of not not focus on the league, but they they feel a lot safer now and can kind of focus a little bit more on on that Europa Conference League. Now, Matt, I know you just blocked it out, but I do want to touch on Chelsea's performance to Brentford. You, you guys lose two zero. The last goal coming in the ninety sixth minute when Robert Sanchez kind of went up for a, a corner. Any quick quick firing comments on this? Uh, pretty much what you'd expect from Brentford, uh, play in the block, have a team come and chase them and then encounter, uh, it's exactly what you saw that goal from Pinnock in the second half to start. It was two defensive mistakes. Also what you'd expect from us right now. Um, Cucurella can't get beat on that first ball. And then the CC and, and, um, who's, uh, Madueki, they can't figure out the back post and, uh, that that that's the game right there. It uh, doesn't matter whatever happens the rest of the way. Brentford knew exactly how they're going to play this match, and uh, they played it to perfection. Don't the second goal doesn't matter. Uh, anyone could have done that. Didn't wouldn't have made a difference. Um, so yeah, w- I'd say one nil. I mean, it we we started off tremendous. Twenty five minutes in, dominating the match. Looked like we were going to put four behind, and uh, can, didn't get one. Sounds about if you haven't heard Chelsea before. Sounds about <laughs> right. And yeah. so, you know, that's exactly what happened. And once you, once you give Brentford the opportunity to get to grow into the game and, and their system and style is working, they don't have to come out and attack you and they can play that block as long as they need to. And like I said, work to perfection. So a lot to, a lot to work on um, from our perspective. Again, I love what I was seeing, but you got to put the ball in the back of the net. And uh, until that changes, Chelsea are still going to be right where they are. And that's just the nature of the of the beast. And Mkuku looks like he's coming back and probably maybe after the November break, which will be fantastic Huge. news a little earlier than expected. But now we've kind of built this guy up to be Superman. Uh, yeah. So let's see what he can do. But, uh, you know, I think we're still a little ways out. I still still stand by where I said uh, probably 7th to 10th with an outside shot at 6th. But, um, again, the, the team looked good, just didn't put the ball in the net, and and it cost us. And, um, you know, that's just the nature of the game. You have to put the ball in the back of the net if you want to win, and we didn't do it. And, uh, Daniel, we weren't the only ones who didn't put the ball in the back of the net. Um, West Ham did not score against Everton, who get a surprise big three points. Is it safe to say that they are finally out of the relegation battle, or will they still kind of be up for discussion? Let's take – Let's take the point reduction possibility aside uh, okay. because we don't know what's going to happen. We, we've been talking that they were kind of teetering on that that bottom half. Are they still there, or for you, are they kind of clear? I, results can be so fickle. Probably like a month and a half ago, we were saying if he doesn't turn this around right now, then he's he's a goner um, after they got bumped by by someone. But uh, I think with Deitch and the squad that they have, they can you know keep keep the squad happy and, and confident, then I do think that they, they'll be okay. They, they also need um, Calvert-Lewin to, to stay healthy because when he can score goals like he did against West Ham, that, that definitely helps. Um, and he's just had awful injury luck this past uh, couple of years, and I actually rate him pretty highly when he can stay healthy. So I'm not worried too much about Everton right now. Um, West Ham have dropped two in a row now, so this should be – very interesting to see how how uh, this whole thing plays out um, in the next couple of weeks. But wanted to talk about another team who who is in the relegation discussion is uh, Bournemouth uh, beat Burnley two one big relegation scrap right here and uh, and uh, you know Vincent Company's men continue to lose. Yeah, you hate to see it. We really thought that they were going to kind of. I thought they were going to be a team that was stronger than this. Um, 
of course you mentioned Bournemouth gained the win and and, and out of the bottom half so it's a big a big win for them uh, a team you know switching gears who also got a big win I don't know how I would define this as a big win it was more of a weird win let's just put it that way um, Daniel was in in the Bundesliga and Bayern Bayern Munich get three points against Darmstadt Harry Kane scores a goal from midfield um other three red cards in the first half this game had it all if you wanted to see anything happen in a soccer match this was the game to watch of course byron put on the afterburners and, and win eight nil um not much to really take away from this one right no literally zero takeaways other than domestat were in the driver's seat for a good 10 minutes when joshua Kimmich gets sent off i'm like oh my gosh is this the the day that Iron drop points and then two consecutive red cards kind of ice that. So it finished 0 0 at halftime. I do want to make that note. So they scored eight in the second half um, and it was just pathetic. But literally, I have no takeaways from that match. Just really odd, odd game. Spooky of course, season. Uh, yeah, spooky season. And <laughs> games when you expect Harry Kane to pad his stats, maybe that's all we take away from it. He yeah. gets a hat trick and, and, like I said, a crazy half field goal which you love seeing but uh just a, a strange one all around uh, a not so strange one because we've talked about them being a little bit more of a contender uh sleeper team and, and had a, a strong performance last year was was freiburg who daniel gave your buyer leverkusen all they could handle um but buyer still takes the win 2-1 and they maintain the top the, the bundesliga with uh, of course a, a, you know our uh, Borussia Dortmund dropping points and and uh, RB Leipzig getting some results and then of course the big one Stuttgart taking out uh, losing to Hoffenheim uh, so they're they're kind of starting to maybe you know feel the pressure of being second place and and Bayern jump them so any thoughts from the Leverkusen match or, or any of the other games within uh, the top four or is it kind of what you expected my darling Leverkusen uh, you haven't had to see him win scrappy very often this year, they've been pretty well positioned in, in most matches. So it was good to see that they could see out a win. Uh, really, all I have to say about that game is Poland Verts was unplayable, really unplayable. His his one solo goal was one of the more impressive goals I've seen. And and there's three youngsters in the in the Bundesliga: Musiala, Verts, and Shadi Simmons. And God. Those three are going to be such good players, and all three were were on it this weekend. Um, another one, you know, Leipzig crushed Cone six zero. Cone is in the relegation zone, so very concerning for them. Very historic club. Uh, they went down a couple years to, uh, ago too, so yeah, I'd like to see them stay up. But Openda, Simmons, Susco off the bench. What what really more can you say? And that Dortmund game was pretty good. I was watching it with a, a Dortmund fan and. I think he declared them dead and then alive three separate times. So that was a fun one to watch with a with a Dortmund fan just sweating that game out. Typical Dortmund, right? Uh, we talked about it before with with their performances and in, in not only in the league but uh, Bundesliga and also Champions League. And uh, but they again, uh, it was a thriller, no doubt about it. Three three goals in in both halves. Dortmund go down, come back. Late equalizer from Julian Brandt, who we we both are very high on, and has had a, a resurgence. It seems like, and then you know, they get the draw, and so they're still didn't they still haven't lost yet this year. Yeah. but yeah. they have you know they they continue to just kind of ease their way through, and and they sit currently in third place, um, you know, a couple points back, and, and still in the mix. So it's an interesting battle, of course, on the other end of the spectrum. Daniel is the is the relegation zone, like you touched on earlier. Another team that you know we've touched on, and the troubles continue for them is Union Berlin, who just I don't know what they can do at this point. They just cannot get a result that will help them turn things around. Uh, but they are not at the bottom. But you know, kind of part of just the, the broader conversation. They're only one. They're only two points clear of, of total relegation, and then one point out of that playoff spot. So uh, what what is kind of going on with Union Berlin, and can they right the ship, or is this is this over? The new, excuse me, uh, you'll probably see a new coach join um, within the next couple of weeks. They might wait till international break to do that, but I would imagine they're going to have to do something soon to, to spark something from, from these players and, and get a result. Another game um, I wanted to touch on was the Bochum Mines uh, tie 2-2. It was a pretty wild game on Friday. 
Um, both are in the relegation zone, and and Bochum go up two one, and in minds, on literally the last second of the game, scores an uh, equalizer, and you just see the Bochum heads go down. So. Uh, Bundesliga has not disappointed this year. It's been a great watch, and I we haven't really touched on many relegation scraps, but I thought that that matchup was was very intriguing. Yeah, anytime there's a six pointer, we're going to talk about it. Um, any league, no matter what it is, it's a big it's a big matchup for those teams at the bottom. So uh, it was a great game, like you said, heads down. You hope that Bochum can kind of turn it around, and and those three points that they well the two points they dropped at the end there isn't going to come back to haunt them, but. Um, you got a chance against the bottom teams. Uh, when you're a bottom team, you got to take advantage of it. Uh, the the bigger question, and of course, surprisingly to myself, Daniel, is that the two promoted teams are not even in this conversation. Darmstadt, who we just touched on, who absolutely got obliterated by Bayern Munich, but there's that's to be expected, and they're still clear. And then Hoddenheim, who have a tough match against Borussia Mönchengladbach, who's always tough. We've talked about that before. The question is, from my perspective, or from my question to you, is: Do both of these teams stay up, or you know, they're starting to kind of fall back towards? They're they're on the edge of the bubble. They're thirteenth and fourteenth, uh, Heidenheim and Darmstadt, respectively. Can they keep it up, or or are we looking at you know one of those two teams falling down? They're regressing to the mean, both of them. But I do like Heidenheim's chances more than I like Darmstadt. Um, so should be interesting to watch. Definitely keep an eye on it. Um, but it, it really is up to Union Berlin, Cone, Mainz, Bochum, if they can kind of catch lightning in a bottle. And we see a lot of these kind of results at the end of the season back against the wall. So, but you know, every point matters so much in these relegation scraps. So it's going to be a very interesting uh, race. Well, two teams that are nowhere near the bottom, nor will they ever really be near the bottom, and arguably is the greatest match on planet earth for football, although some will disagree and I'm happy to have that conversation with any of those two folks is El Clasico. And Daniel, this one did not disappoint either on Saturday. Of course, we're talking about Real Madrid and Barcelona, Barcelona playing in Majui, which is not their normal stadium, which I think played a me a little bit of a factor into it, but yeah. um, there was also another player, another impact moment. And, performance that we definitely need to get to but first your your straight takeaways from el clasico and didn't disappoint from my perspective again it could have been a little bit of a better match i mean it ended with a very dramatic win for real madrid but barca looked like they were in the driver's seat for 60 minutes of this match so i'm sure xavi's kind of kicking himself and they didn't start the i actually texted you before and i said i actually like madrid with the starting lineups that that came out um, but you know, Lewandowski off the bench, Rafinha off the bench. Rafinha didn't look match sharp, um, coming off the bench, but you know, it's a tough one to swallow. Real Madrid kind of just ended up absorbing all that pressure and then kind of releasing it. I will say, I think, uh, that Kamavinga substitution was the pivotal moment. I thought he looked fantastic, even at left back, he completely changed the match. And, and, uh, you know, Jude with an absolute rocket and then he's just same shit different day he's in the right uh, place at the right time just a nice little tapping for him i mean i wish i could have this kid's luck because the ball just seems to gravitate towards him in the box and he scores two crucial goals in the in the uh, title race yeah you mentioned the ball just finding him sometimes you you get in that zone and that form and that luck and we've all been there in whatever sport you've played where things just happen for you and uh i mean this is the ultimate, all the things that can happen for you. 10 goals in 10, 10 league games, 13 goals in 13 games. I, I mean, how much more can we say about him? I, I, to your point, to take it a little further back, further step back, Barcelona absolutely dominated 60% of this game. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, you mentioned the 60 minutes. They were all over Real Madrid and and just kind of pressed them. And, and Real Madrid really didn't have an answer at first. And and everything down that right-hand side, Jao Cancelo was turning guys inside out. I completely agree with you that the Camavinga sub completely changed, you know, a big made a big um, moment in the match as far as changing it up and, and kind of getting that, that right-hand side pressure uh, stopped and, and the ball kind of, you know, not necessarily floating down that side the whole way. Um, I also think that Lewandowski, when he came in, was was a little bit uh, rusty. Same with Rafinha. You could see some touches that were just, you know, 
right off the shin or just not great touches and then transitioned. And that's when the game kind of started to change, right? When when Barcelona made some turnovers and Real Madrid was able to, to uh, you know, counter and basically in transition was starting to kind of move the ball up the pitch. And then, you know, what can you say? Ju just changes the game. And once that goal went in, you felt it. You knew something was going to happen. The The crowd got quieter. Uh, the, the Barcelona players tightened up a little bit. You could feel that Madrid was coming for a while. And then, of course, they get the late winner. But, I, you know, we talked about it. I said Barcelona would have been very happy with a 1-1 draw on this one after, you know, who was not playing. And, and it looked like they were going to get it. Uh, it looked like even better. It looked like they were going to get the three points, which you could have even had a moment of just pure jubilation if you were Barcelona for having that roster and beating Real Madrid, right? And and they shut down Jude Bellingham pretty pretty easy. And, and you know, they looked they looked in control and then Jude just does his thing and and all of a sudden you go from Barca being top to Barca being fourth and and in some serious trouble now um, as far as you know just getting players back and in the and who's ahead of them Girona continues to win and and they're still ahead of Barcelona Atletico Madrid win and they have a game in hand so things are starting to get a little dire for Barcelona of course you have Champions League and and this is a long way from over but uh, El Clasico was was a huge moment in the season and uh, it's always going to come down to this matchup and uh, the La Liga or this matchup and and you know when they play when both Real Madrid and um, Barcelona play Atletico those are the those are the the six matches those when those three teams play each other that decides the, the league and and right now Real Madrid is a one and one Barcelona zero oh and one yep yep and you know it's the biggest bragging rights uh, to date in Spain so um, it was pretty even. Uh, breakdown between as we broke down our predictions with who's won and who hasn't won the last five. So I'm sure Real Madrid are gonna gonna enjoy that win, but stay focused as they they are top of the league. And as you mentioned, Girona are second, um, Atletico are third with the game in hand, and then Barca are in fourth. Um, so another big game, different country. We go to Italy now. As this game was kind of like what we said, uh, a uh, almost. Uh, Mourinho masterclass, but Inter do edge out Roma in a scrappy one zero win. Um, I was close. I was close. I had I had a zero in there, so I knew one of that was coming. Yeah, and Turum, uh, you know, we, we kind of highlight his importance for this Inter squad as of late, and and he comes up in the 80th minute with the with the winner. But there were chances for both, and we did say this game, you know, one zero scrappy. Uh, so we we were correct on that end, which is always nice. And uh, Inter now have a two-point lead on um, everybody else. Yeah, I mean, that that Milan Derby matchup is going to maybe be the ultimate factor in this season. Uh, of course, mm -hmm. you know, AC just dropped points to, to Napoli as well. And um, so, you know, you're starting to see, and, and we talked about it, you, you brought it up, and it's something to keep an eye out. Can Milan win big games? I, you're, you're starting to show me. Show me and show me and show me, right? And so you're starting to see kind of what that trend looks like, and um, it's they it's went up two, yeah, they went up two goals. That's the that's the thing that sucks about it is Giroud scored. He he kind of ended his streak, and they look like they're in the driver's seat. And then, you know, next thing you know, Napoli are tied up, going for the winner. Yeah, and so that's a you know it's going to come down to those types of games. And of course, now they not only do they tie, they they get jumped. Juventus who get a late winner, they go mm -hmm. to second. So. We had talked all this season, Daniel, about it being a Milan, you know, a Milan battle, and maybe Juventus is starting to sneak in there. And don't look out, and Atalanta now are up to fourth, and uh, you know, Serie A starting to get a little tighter than we we thought. Of course, Inter, you know, we're setting the pace a little bit, but um, it's a it's a tighter race than we thought. And Napoli now, even Napoli's kind of in it. You know, you don't count them out who won it last year, of course, and and players still not back from injury. So uh, Serie A is really really tight, and and course is a match going on right now as we speak and Fiorentina and Lazio playing and uh you know Fiorentina can move up to to third or fourth excuse me um if they get a win so this is just becoming a really like you said with Syria with the with Liga uh excuse me La Liga Serie A is becoming a lot of fun as well to keep an eye out for oh it is and and that Lazio Fiorentina in the 80th minutes no no right now so just to give you guys an update of where we're recording um so the trans or to, to rotate over to the rest of the world, we, there were a few matches um, in a couple different leagues we wanted to highlight today. Um, PSG win late, 
Um, so, you know, Bappe with, with two goals and Warren Zaire with an absolute screamer. He, we highlighted him uh, last week and he drops another dime performance. Um, and uh, they are only second to Nice after Nice win um, another scrappy 1-0 game. Um, but, I mean, who would have thought Nice would be at this uh, at number one at this point in the year? Not anyone that I knew that follows <laughs> Liga, and that's not many people. Uh, but Nice are a very good squad. Clearly, they've got something going on, and uh, it's going to be a tight. We talked about PSG, of course. We both feel we'll catch them, and they're mm -hmm. only a point behind. But uh, it's a nice story. You know, if Nice can finish, you know, top four, of course, they've got Monaco, who who they jumped with the with the win, and um, Lille, who did beat Monaco, right behind them, and in, in fourth. So uh, first through fourth, and in, in let's say, okay, let's say second through fourth in league uh, are, are separated by three points right now. So it's going to be, you know, a battle for second, which it usually is. And, and sometimes, you know, maybe PSG will slip up and uh, one of these teams will, will give them a fight all the way through. But, uh, you know, it's an interesting dynamic and, and a lot of storylines to keep an eye on in France there. And uh, of course, Daniel, one of the bigger storylines of the weekend, uh, along with all the matches going on is, is just some ugliness that came out of Marseille uh marseille leon gets canceled of course if you haven't seen the story yet um the marseille fans attacked the leon bus and uh, threw rocks at it and actually the manager of, of leon got hit in the head with a rock and um had to be you know treated by medical personnel and just a really scary situation if for those of you geographically that don't know marseille and, and leon they're they're not separated too far apart in uh in france and uh you know it's a it's a marseille is a crazy crazy little place down in south france it's just one of those those cities that you just kind of don't really want to go and um and and hang around and i've been in and been around it and um like i said there's uh, the story that i can tell you is i i was driving we were on the my dad was driving we were on the wrong side of the road or not the road but how you drive there you have to if you're in the right the normal way, way the normal way if you're if the left no 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 in the our way if you're in the left lane it's the passing lane it's the it's what you only oh, yeah. use it for, and the right lane and everything else is for slow driver. Well, we didn't know that. Well, my dad was didn't know that. He was talking to me. Long story short, we were sitting in the left lane, and a Marseille fan. Clearly, you could tell he had a Marseille flag in the in the back and Marseille plates. Came and literally tried to run us off the road just for being and cursed at us and gave us the finger and literally tried to veer us off the road off the highway. And that's just kind of what you get in Marseille. It's just a crazy, crazy place. A beautiful city. Beautiful people, beautiful food, but uh, craziness. But this is Daniel. This is not. This is beyond crazy, and this is not acceptable. And and honestly, I love the sport of football. I love everything it brings. It what it does. It unifies people, and just the the everything that comes with it. But this is not okay, and this is not something that I want to see in the sport at all. It's been too often this year. We talked about the issues at Ajax with their fans and and fans throwing things on the field consistently. This is not the only two times it's happened. It's not the, yeah. it's not the only year it's happened, but enough is enough. Um, let the guys play, you know, have it, have it out in the fans and in the stands and they're chanting and, and maybe you get into a fight in a bar after with the opposing fan, but stop throwing shit on the field guys. Like let's, let's just, let's just enjoy this. So um, it's a, it's a tough one. It's not something that you want to see and it's not something that, you know, we want to see as, as fans of the sport as, as a sport that we love. So uh, that's my plea. Just just stop throwing shit on the field and, and let's let, let's let the guys play. I agree more. Um, you know, we love football because it sometimes can be can be kind of a lifestyle. But, you know, these players are people, too. And I don't want my life threatened. They shouldn't have to feel like their life's threatened. And the more this happens, the more this becomes a reoccurring theme and, you know, people might not want to play uh, football or, or go to matches um, with all this, you know, the scariness. So I'm, I'm, I'm not for this at all. And, and I hope it, I hope it uh, changes, but thinking of scary or speaking of scary, excuse me, PSV absolutely kill IX. Um, I mean, they might as well throw in a rocket then. IX actually went up uh, two one at half and I was like, damn, I, I didn't expect that. And, PSV respond with four unanswered goals to beat them 5-2. Um, Ajax are now dead last in the area to VC. Every week we ask, can they actually be relegated? There, It's starting to look like it actually might 
You're getting there. You're getting there. there. I'm not there. I'm not yet. And I'm not yet calling it. But, you know, they might have to have that Undertaker meme come out at some point because they are almost dead and buried at this point. And they they better be careful because if they keep digging this hole, then then it, it could get ugly for them. It could. Uh, it looks like they do have a new manager potentially, in, uh, or at least have an interim manager uh, for now. So that's going to be an interesting one. But, uh, boy, I I'm there. I know you'll get there eventually. I think they're I think they're down, but we'll see what happens. And on the flip side, a team that is not down. And of course, like we mentioned, we will start to to cover a few other leagues here along the way. And one of the leagues that we want to add this week is is Liga MX. Uh, of course, Club America is is at the top of that, five points clear of Tigris. And one of the big highlights as well is Alejandro Sendejas, who's a U.S. men's national team player who has four goals and three assists in 12 appearances. So um, absolutely crushing it down there for, for Club Americas. And uh, they sit atop the table. They've been a perennial team, of course, um, domestically for, for Liga MX for a long, long time. And, and Daniel, of course, that also is a nice segue into the other – North American league that we touched on last week. And, and of course uh, we have a team here locally in, in Charlotte that uh, we both keep an eye on for. And, and that is F Charlotte FC in the MLS. And uh, we mentioned MLS playoffs have started. Uh, there was some interesting dynamic games, uh, some, some upsets. I don't know if I would call that other one an upset, but a lot of the, a lot of the favorites take home a one nil series lead in best of three games. Yeah, no, it was uh the the home favorites almost completely clean sweeped here other than st louis which was a little bit surprising especially in the manner that they lost they got killed but uh you know as red bulls knocked us out it was nice to see them get bumped by cincy um who are arguably arguably the favorites maybe other than lafc who who ran it up 5-2 against vancouver so I think I think the the matches that are going to be really interesting are the are the away fixtures for these favorites because MLS uh, seems to a lot of home teams win and a lot of road teams lose. So to be interesting to see if if some teams can kind of wrap up this series uh, quicker and have some more rest than than other teams. I think that will matter because there's a lot of games going on in this you know congested window for for MLS teams. So it should be pretty interesting, but. Are you confident enough to pick a winner here? In all yeah, of these early. series? In all it's the early. series? It, yeah, we can just do rapid fire. All right, we can do rapid fire. There's also two games tonight, by the way, just a heads up. Orlando oh, City yeah. against Nashville and Sounders, Seattle Sounders versus FC Dallas. But of the five games that happened this weekend, I'll go real quick, rapid fire. Philly, Cincy, KC, Real Salt Lake, LAFC. I do think Kansas City will take out St. Louis. Okay, I'm actually going to agree with you all the way down to Houston. I think Houston is a very good team, and I think they will win. And just real quick, predict your winner for the whole thing. That's tough. Uh, I'll go Cincy. They've been the best team all season. I'm going to – I want to agree with you on that one, but just to kind of deviate so we can have some fun with this, I'm going to say LAFC catch form here and – and win it if they all. do catch form, they're they're probably the best top to bottom team in the MLS. But since he's been the best team all season, so we'll see if they can t- continue it. Of course, we'll keep an eye on this. We'll keep an eye on all the domestic games and everything else that's going on. In the meantime, Daniel, no, we need a quick break in, and and of course, feel free to interact with us on X at Full Time Roundup. Uh, please download and like our podcast anywhere you get your podcast and you leave us a five-star rating of course also just keep in mind this is the recap show so we will have two episodes each week uh monday recording or sunday recording depending on if there's games on monday uh distributed on monday or tuesday will be the recap show and then on thursday will be our prediction and daniel's best bets so no bets today uh but again catch those on thursday going forward as well and daniel will have his best bets on thursday but on the other side of the break we will dive into our players of the week as well as one hot topic daniel that we wanted to touch on that is near and dear to our hearts and it is coming home as some of them might say so stick around we'll be right back at the other side of the break and welcome back to the full-time roundup as we mentioned before the break daniel there is something that is on our minds that we've been talking about 
We talked about it in multiple forms. We actually talked about it directly in the last episode. If you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out, our midweek episode last week. But since then, there's been a development. And need no introduction here. The Charlotte Independents went on to beat the Omaha team. I'm not even going to call them anything else. Just going to call them Omaha. Omaha Union, of course, is what they're called. And Charlotte went to Omaha, the best team in the USL one, and got the W in penalties. Now, on the same night, right afterwards, up in Cary, North Carolina, NCFC took on Colorado, North Colorado Hailstorm, and they won their match. So what that means is on November 5th in Cary, North Carolina, I will physically be there. The Charlotte Independents will take on NCFC for the USL one league title. Now keep in mind, folks. Daniel is a part-time NCFC fan. Charlotte <laughs> Charlotte has not won a professional sports title. And so Charlotte Independence has a chance to bring home one of the first sports titles in professional sports in the city of Charlotte. Daniel, um, I don't know where to start here because you're going to kind of, I think you're going to go back and forth. You may become an Independence fan before the end of this episode. Who knows? If they win, I feel like you'll be on this bandwagon too. No, I don't, I don't think so. So I did a little breakdown. All time, both teams have won eight and drew two. Um, they are one, one, and one this year. Um, Independence scraped by. They were absolutely dominated on the stat sheet from what I saw. I did not actually watch the match. But, uh, you know, they, they went to Penns, and, and they did win. So good for Independence. Congratulations. But that doesn't mean anymore anything anymore. You're, you're at a final. And, and NCFC are in fine form. They have multiple attackers and, and midfielders who have over 10 goal contributions. Um, so I kind of want to make a wager on this match. It doesn't have to be finance either. It could be like something else. Like, I don't know, loser shaves their head or something. It's like fun. But can you think of anything that we can do to, to make this a little, uh, a little tense? Well, we'll have to think of something. Of course, I don't want to jinx my team. Uh, anytime I put a bet on it, it automatically means they're going to lose. So we'll have to think of something. I'll, I'll think of it, uh, for the guys that are listening. Don't worry. Don't worry. I will make sure that you guys have every advantage over NCFC as possible. So it won't be too much of a, a wager here, but uh, again, I'm going, I know a couple of other folks here in town are going, it's going to be a fun environment up there. You guys have always had great crowds and you guys definitely did dominate. I, I caught a little bit of the game after our game just to see what was going on there in case we could have the potential of going up to North Carolina. And by the time I turned it on, you guys were up 2-0 already. So it looked pretty good. And, and of course, it's going to be a great matchup. And um, any predictions? On, do we want to just put a scoreline on it before we even have a wager? We can put the wager sure. on Twitter. Uh, but how about a scoreline here in, on the show? I'm going to go 2-1 in CFC. I'm going to go 1-0 Independence. All right. In, in extra time. An extra time. Okay. And fun fact that the coach for NCFC Bradford um, was an academy coach when I was kind of going through the ranks. So he actually, after Dave Sarachan, ex-U.S. Uh, national team coach, uh, left uh, NCFC, he became just got kind of promoted within the club. And he, he started pretty bad. Um, we NCFC had some turbulent seasons when I was in college, but to see us return and and look really good this year is is definitely a positive and it should be a should be a great final so i'm going to look at, uh, forward to tuning in and and now we we got that out of the way we will have some sort of a fun competition going for this so we'll we'll post that on twitter and uh now is our favorite segment xi of the week do you want to start us off matt I do, yeah. So at goalkeeper, we have Chevalier from Lille, who had six saves and a clean sheet. Can't go wrong when you do that. From defensively, we had DeMarcos, who had one goal. Uh, Pinnock, who had a goal in the for Brentford against Chelsea, which we talked about. And Mizrawi, who had two assists in the Bayern Munich match. So uh, in the back, pretty strong. Uh, how about midfield and attackers, Daniel? Uh, my my dear Schoelschlei, two assists. He's just been so good. One of the signings of the season, for sure. Uh Verts, one goal and an assist. I mean, what can you say? And Zaire Emery with another goal. He's he's so good for being uh, so young. And then Julian Brandt for with one goal. And and he's just been enlightening for him and kind of resurrected his Dortmund career. So I haven't really got to talk to him 
talk about him that much, but I'm happy for him. Um, in the attack, I have uh, Holland with two goals in the Manchester Derby. Marmouche um, for Freiburg with two goals who, who looked like prime Ronaldo against BVB. And Giroud, two goals, been kind of uh, on a cold streak, and you can see him wiping off his jersey like the weights from, from that goal streak. And, hey, he's, he's a hell of a striker, but he's also a hell of a goalie. So, hey, two, you gotta play got to play the field both ways. And for player of the week, I, I chose Nketia. He's been kind of the backup striker uh, for Arsenal, but he came and scored a, a wonderful hat trick. Um, but who's your player of the week? Does it need any introduction? Jude. Hey, Jude. Put the cape on. Let's go. I'll even go next. I'll go right into this. Young player of the week, Jude Bellingham as well. I, I know we have, we've talked about him at nauseum, and it's just it's so, it's so unbelievable what he's doing. It's also hard to keep in mind that he's, he's still only 20 years old. So um, he doesn't act like it, but at 20, that still counts for me as a young player of the week. And when you scored two goals in El Clasico, uh, anything you can put your name on, you're getting it in my book. So young player of the week, player of the week, Jude Bellingham, wrap it up. Yeah, if he doesn't stop playing so well, he might become the the king of Spain or something soon. Um, never know. <laughs> you never know. Young player of the week for me, I have Matias Sule on loan from on loan from Juve, but he's playing for Forcioni. Um, he's had five goals and one assist in eight matches. He's 20 years old, Argentinian. Um, had a, had a nice two goals. Uh, this week and he's just been in fantastic form so um love to see it and uh i will be doing a recap of my best bets um on our on our preview show on thursday uh, but we did have a profitable week so just tune in for that you mentioned the preview show on thursday uh daniel will be giving his his uh review of how he did last week as well as give you those new bets for this week so again uh just for those new listeners or if you if you've Skip through the episode. We'll we'll have two shows going forward. We'll have a Sunday show or the, a Monday show, the recap show, and we'll we'll break down all the games across the league. And then Thursday will be our prediction and preview, as well as Daniel's best bets. So, um, Daniel, it's been a, a great episode. We covered a lot. I love you know catching up with you, jumping around the horn, and seeing what's out there. Of course, um, you can follow us and be part of the conversation. Let us know what our XI was. If you had anything different over on X at Full Time Roundup. You can also follow Daniel at Liverpool CLTFC and myself at Life of M. Gesslin on X. Uh, please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. And, of course, until Thursday, we will see you then.